0: Okay, I leave, and I think of all the things I didn't say or the things that I didn't think I said very well. So I want to back up. We spent some time last week talking about faith and building faith in our children. Um, I want to make some summary kind of reminders, and I, I will flip through some of the verses. There's lots and lots and lots of verses. I'm not going to read them all to you again, but you can read as you listen. Um, I feel strongly that faith is not something that you can demand of your children. Um, you can't make them believe. You can't give them your faith. But I do think that you are the most significant influence in their lives in terms of their wanting to seek faith. Um, years ago in my first real job, and my first real, I define find that is something not working for family and something that has benefits. I defined it that way for my children. They didn't have a real job until they had benefits. Um, but there was a man in a fairly high position, and, and, and I went to church with him. And I can remember some of the secretaries talking. There was, that was back when we used to have big gospel meetings, and he and I had been talking about that in front of some others. And later when he left the room, one of them said, I'd, I'd like to go to Dr. Binkley's church and um, it hit me very really that he hadn't had a lot to say in a very public way about his faith but the way that he lived made the people that worked with him want to visit Dr. Binkley's church now I think you should have a lot to say to your children about faith but I think it's the essence of the way that you live that's going to make um, a difference um, that we want to live in front of our children. Well, we, we, it's not in front of We want to be real about this. But do they see that our faith is comforting to us, that, they, that we are inspired by our faith? Or is it burdensome? Is it something we've got to do? Is it something that's heavy for us? If it's heavy for us, that's not going to be very appealing. <laughs> I love the analogy of a plant that needs light and it needs moisture, but if you drowned it or if you give it too much light, it burns out. There's, there's a balance and there is a huge balance in parenting. And I think this is one of those. I want my children to see that my faith is a joy and blessing to me. But I also don't want to protect them from the reality Church is sometimes really messy, okay? It's got flawed human beings by the hundreds, okay? And they're going to make bad choices. They're going to offend you. It's not going to always be perfect. And if I try to prepare my child, thinking, everybody that loves Jesus is wonderful and perfect, then they're going to be in for some terribly disappointing Mm. awakenings. Um, as we talked about faith, one of the things that I, I, I think I left an impression that I don't want to leave. I talked a lot about encouraging your children to be involved in church, and I am such a believer in what our youth group does. But that's connecting your child to youth group is not enough because we frankly have a lot of kids that are very connected to youth group and they go off to college and they no longer have Otter Creek youth group and that's what they saw as their place of faith. And so I I want to encourage you to be aware that faith has some components, at least, this is Gail, I don't know that I can give you scripture and verse on this, okay. I think one of those components is a personal relationship with God and Jesus. And that's going to transcend youth group, and that's going to transcend Otter Creek. And that's that's a heart piece of it, okay? So I don't want to talk so much about youth group that I don't talk about this direct relationship. I think there's also a value system. And I buy that value system because I believe that God has loved me and redeemed me and that he has created the value system that is what is best for me. I think honesty is right. It is morally the right choice. But I also believe that it is the right choice for me because God created me and this is the value system that he says works for me. Okay? That's where I'm coming from and that's the message I want to send to my kids. Um... I think sometimes we neglect the personal relationship with God. I think we sometimes neglect the value system. Because I do... I think sometimes we we want faith to be easy, and so we kind of downplay what God asks of us. It's not easy to be honest. It's not easy to be kind. It's not easily... To be pure. And God has grace and forgiveness for all of that. Come on, I'm not, I don't bite. Um, but I think we shortchange our kids if we don't teach the ideal, knowing, teaching that there's grace for when we fall. Does that make sense? Questions? Comments? Okay. The next one is a response to a specific request, not from one of you, but from some people in general, maybe some of you. I don't really know who they are. I just got it. To talk about how do we discuss baptism with our children. And I don't have all the answers on this one. What do you? What concerns do you feel about discussing, or maybe you don't feel any, what concerns might someone feel about discussing baptism with their children? Yes.
1: Um, I know when I was a child, I got the uh, impression that baptism was the only way you got into heaven, and then when I asked to be baptized, I was told I was too young. And that really hurt my feelings because I wanted to be in heaven. Okay. And then they didn't say, when I was old enough, just at some point my younger sister said, hey, I would like to be baptized, and they told her sure, and I thought, for real, that has to be okay for me, if she has, so I I don't want, I would be on the other side of, if they say, then I would be like, sure, that's good, because of the things, yes, daughter. yes.
0: So, how young? <laughs> I've got a six-year-old grandson, If he comes up to me and says, Grandma, I want to be baptized. Is that to you? Stri- Is there a white age? Yes. I'm struggling with that right now, because our nine-year-old, you know, almost ten, and i st- it's like
1: I... It's that, I don't want to discourage that want to and that desire, and yet there's this other piece of me that just wants to make sure she gets it, and then I, I don't know. I think that's a really tough question. Yes, Cody? I think we just need to be careful about what you know, like what we're emphasizing. Like, oh, you can have a full understanding of something. Like, yes, we need to understand what it means, but like, I think for us, sometimes we said, say, sometimes what's preached on our like, you need to understand the whole Bible before you're a Christian. And I, you know, it, but, and so I think we're not reacting against that. Like, well, no, you don't. There's stuff we don't understand. Let's
0: Well, and I had this, I had this illusion that, yeah, I knew I didn't understand everything when I was baptized, but surely by that time I was 21 or 22, I would have gotten it all and that my understanding then was going to last for the rest of my life. And I just don't think there could be anything much more wrong because if I don't understand some things about my relationship with God differently now than I did 10 years ago, I have lost 10 years of growth. I think there needs to be an uh, it should be a constant and I'm not talking about facts or Bible stories but an understanding of how God works in my life and how you know, how I turn my life over to Him. I think that's a wonderful point. I am very, very reluctant to use any kind of age pieces here. I, and again this, this is scale, okay I think children understand baptism in different ways at different times of their life. I think I was 12, which is just kind of what we consider somehow the white age. I don't know where in the world we did that. I mean, Jesus visits the temple at 12, but that's Jesus that's point. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm serious about that. I don't know where we pulled that. Um, but I think Courtney's right, I don't think we have to have a complete understanding of everything we're one day going to understand because that's never (coughs) ending. That's changed. So what are the kinds of questions that Tamara might want to ask her
1: nine-year-old?
0: What would she want to be concerned about figuring out what she thinks? I'd be
1: more concerned about making sure it's really not pleasing me.
0: I think that. right, That's a great observation. Yes, well, the, the question is why? Oh, you know, like,
1: you yes, know, yes, yes, okay. yes. Are you ready to live your life with Jesus?
0: You know, like, mm-hmm. does that confuse Moses? I think you That's what we're talking about. I'm not proud of this, but I'll share a story. Mm-hmm. Um, not too long after I was baptized, I need to take. This grandmother was a rather stern grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, I had both extremes, but this was the stern one. And um, she was at our house one day, and my brother and I, a bickering would be a polite way to say it, and we would just hang out with each other. And she said, Kale, you can't act like that. You've been baptized. And I remember, I still remember a physical kind of reaction. Don't throw that in my face. I mean, that's exactly what I felt. Now, I was wrong. I don't think she spoke it in the best way. But I wasn't ready to completely give my life Christ. But if I wait till I've really done it, given him my life in every way, and I might not be accessing the complete power that God gives me to help do that I'm completely agreeing no. with you I guess I just want to it's, it's
1: complicated yes. well I think of it a little bit like marriage and you can marry somebody but you still gotta like even if you get married to somebody and you don't really understand the nature of the time commitment it's going to take the act of being married will teach you yes. that there's a certain amount of commitment, yes. and thus bringing along that path. Or you don't, you refi- you fight against it, and then you turn away. But I don't know. I guess for me, I don't know that I should be as worried about. Like if they, if they were going to turn away from that, they would have turned away baptized or not. Turn- yes. Bad price. Yes. Does yes. that Yes. Make sense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So for me, no. I'm saying this as nobody has asked me to be baptized she them in She sent to me. But, you know what I mean? Like, like, sure, you can get married at 18, but, you know, you need to. And I'm going to give you the things that you want to do or that you need to help you with that relationship, but it's still a commitment that you eventually make to your own. eighteen year old I'm, sure, I'm not sure I can say well, that well. You know <laughs> you know what I mean. But there's people I who do, get married I at I eighteen do, do, and they're can. not the same people at eighteen yes, as they are yes, at forty. Yes, and
0: you can't control
1: somebody. and that relationship yes. has evolved because yes, 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 and I
0: think that's it. Mm-hmm. I would be really interested in what the motivation is. Is it are you doing it to please me? Are you doing it because your friend's doing it? Also, and I don't think this is as true of this generation, are you doing it out of fear? That was very much a part of my generation. There was a whole lot about um, going to hell, and, and I think there were many of um, my generation that somehow had to be baptized, because that was what we had to do to
1: be sure that we to out. I would also say, you know, in, in contrast to the young discussion, I've, I've always been a striking example. So. I got baptized and it really wasn't because all my friends were with that 12-13 church camp, you know, phenomenon that really seems to happen. And I don't think that's a bad thing, I just think that there was this with, with small church, there was this one guy in the group who waited well on into high school and it became this thing where his parents were very concerned, they were kind of talking to the elders, they were nervous reps, and, you know, and it was really a lot of pressure on him, but he waited really, until he really felt like he was mature enough to understand it. And looking at the time, if honestly, you know, but looking back on it as a parent, I hope that I have the courage to be proud of my child because he understood a lot more at 16 about what he was signing up for than I did at 12. And so I think I hope I can just be patient and careful, whichever. <laughs> and, and
0: I think this is. I think there is such a spectrum. I'm personal. You know, back this description, I'm a little I, I'm where Rachel is. I, I would try to help that six-year-old girl, I understand that this is a very mature decision. I don't think it can be better. But I remember um, like I saw her this morning, she's a wonderful young woman. I remember some parents bringing her daughter to me because I was her second grade um, Sunday school teacher and she wanted to be baptized and they wanted me to discuss it with her. And there wasn't anything lacking in her conversation. Did she know everything? No. She was a very visiting child. She knew she was doing it not from pressure. She simply thought this is what God wanted. And she wanted to be what my wanted to do. I have no a res- person have no reservations. All I'm trying to say is think about these things because you're going to get some of these questions. Think about them. What what is the important message? I, I would be very reluctant to say to a child, you can't. Even my six year old, I would say, I think we want to talk about. Them. Um, I have known six year olds who've brought it up and then, uh, let's talk about this again soon. They we on something else and it was three years before they got back to that conversation. I don't think, I just think you have to be humble. <laughs> now, I do think the other one is the COVID one. At what age? And if at the time, in that household year, you've you got be really present about not pressuring. Um, faith that's important to you is a real inviting place for a child to rebel. And so you I think want to be very cautious about sending any kind of message that says, I've got this control this girl. Because in the end you, you can't. it It's that to Other questions? Whatever. Okay. <coughs> skip way over. To new. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about communication. Oh, before I start on this, next week is our last lesson. Is there anything specifically that we've not talked about that you would really like for us to talk about? You can email me, you can see me. If you don't want to own it, you can drop a note in my mailbox or leave something in the church office with my name on it or something. Just should they call me. If there's something in particular that you would like to talk about, I would like to um, try to address that. Okay. Um, There's a part of me that feels guilty. If we're saying faith is the most important thing and we've spent one week talking about cultivating faith in our children, I hope everything we have talked about has to do with cultivating faith. I hope how we discipline is part of how we cultivate faith. I'm quite sure that how we talk with our children has to do with cultivating faith. Okay. I need to tell you that if I were listening to this lesson, I would struggle to go home and feel guilty. This is not an area that I have found easy. It is an area that I have made mistakes in. So I do not share this with you this morning to say this is where we've all got to be and this is where we all are. It's only a reminder of this is where I want to be. And this is where I want to be as much of the time as I can be. And I know I'm not going to get there all the time. But this is where I want to head, okay? Okay, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I've redone these slides several times over the years. And I used to have one that says something about the most serious obstacle to... Good communication is a lack of committed time to it. I've got decided that that's one obstacle. Not sure it's the most serious obstacle, but good communication does take time, and time is something you don't have enough of. So I would encourage you to think of creative ways to find the time. I really did find. Vehicles to be a very good place for communication. It does mean that you, the older kids, you got to pull, you know, the earbuds out. It, it means, you know, you turn the radio or you know, the podcast off. But I really do think it's a wonderful time as your kids get a little older. Um, perhaps the most serious serious obstacle to good communication is how much I love to hear my voice. I don't think I'm the only one that has that issue. If I would listen better and be slower to speak, communication with my children would have been better. They have an awful true story to tell on me. Mm -hmm. I live about a mile south of Lipscomb where my kids went to school and I would pick them up in the afternoon Now, we're only talking about a mile, not very long. Okay, Who has? what do you have for homework today? And I would go through the three children. One afternoon, I asked it three times before I got home because I wasn't listening. I was checking out my list. And they all didn't have any, so that kind of meant I didn't have to think about what was the afternoon (laughs) going to look like. I wasn't listening. And finally, Douglas said, Mom... If you want to know, listen to the answer. Well duh, of course. Conversation be <coughs> full of grace.
1: Oh. It's
0: just not easy. But what message would I send to my child about faith <coughs> and what it means to me and how it impacts my life if it was lots of Christ? wisdom and what is just which means when I'm having a bad day I'm not talking about my kids <coughs> my mouth would encourage you and comforts in my lips will bring you relief there are many times this many passages about words in the scriptures I think they're there because God knows that that's an area that's mm-hmm. hard for us A gentle answer turns away. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Pleasant words are sweet to the soul. Mm -hmm. No Mm -hmm. unhealthy talk. Okay, now there are lots of kinds of words, lots of kinds of communication. But I want to start with this one because I think it's one of the most important. Openly, intentionally, spontaneously, continually express enjoyment and pleasure in your child. Let your affection be abundant. Now, I think most of us think of affection as physical affection and that's great. Hug and snuggle as long as they'll let you do that. my father was not a physically affectionate person in fact when I married and he gave me away and he leaned down to kiss me I was so stunned by his doing that that I was completely distracted from that portion of the wedding ceremony Um, but I have no sense of having missed anything because he was a wonderful listener, and he gave me big blocks of undivided, attentive conversation. And It was conversation. It wasn't him lecturing me. It was listening to me, and I see, for me, that was great affection. I'm not saying don't be physically affectionate, I think that's wonderful. But I'm saying it's that committed time and interest, and he was willing to talk about anything that I was interested in talking about. And that's what he was saying. And just a smile. I, I, it's just fascinating to me how much that can mean to somebody. And, you know, in all the chaos of whatever, just a smile we've talked about this one earlier but praising the children um, praising what's really important I've told you that I wished I had praised effort more than product uh, more often Um, praise needs to be realistic Um, but you can praise you know Praise a smile. Praise a a, a word that the child has spoken. It can be a little thing. It's just appreciation. Don't you love to be around those people that just ooze appreciation? just not enough of those in the world. We can at least be that for our children. (coughs) Okay, this is the hard part. Listening doesn't come naturally to most of us. Listening is not waiting my turn to say what I know is important. I can remember. Oh, and by the way, some of you are dealing with babies, two-year-olds. Some of you got some adolescents or clubs to them. All of you have adolescents in the making, okay? (laughs) Now, I'm really serious about this. So you are cultivating how you're going to converse with your adolescent, Okay. And to start with, you're going to have to talk about what they want to talk about. I can remember when (laughs) my son was in third grade and they had just moved to that new school building. And third grade is a big step up academically, and I was interested in all that they were doing. And, you know, what do you do in this? He got in the car every day, and my son is, he's not, he's still slender, he but he was little and squammy as a child. And he got in, and he wanted to tell me about the football game. And mother, I was on the 10-yard line. Please understand, there are no 10-yard markers on the playground, OK? But he's on the 10-yard line, and he did this or that. And I could care less. He has no football in his future. He's not even going to play middle school football. It's not going to happen, OK? But he, that's what he wanted to talk about. And fortunately, a wise older mother reminded me, I needed to talk about what he wanted to talk about if I expected him to talk about what I wanted to talk about. Okay. So again, it may seem, oh and third grade humor is awful. It's just (laughs) ridiculously silly. But they will still want to tell you all of those things. Um, I remember having a conversation with my daughter, the one that I don't communicate with as well. Didn't then, and even to this day, I don't communicate quite as easily with her as I do my other two children, and I've got to own that. I think that's my problem more than hers. But I can remember having a conversation, and I am just, I mean, I am almost physically bouncing because I do know that I've got to wait till she pauses but I don't want to so badly correct the misunderstanding or the flaw in her thinking, okay? But that's not listening. That's just waiting my turn. And I'm probably going to blow it when it is my turn because I haven't listened. I don't text fast enough to do this, but I have a friend who is an attorney, and he's a fairly aggressive personality, and when he gets into these tough conversations with his son, his son says, I feel like you're inter- interrogating me. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm on trial. And, and you don't let me finish, and you interrupt. And You know what they've d- developed? When it gets really tough, they take their phones and go in different rooms. And they text, because you can't interrupt a text. Now, I think that's artificial. But I do think the principle is valid. That it gives them both a chance to kind of cool down. You might think a little bit more when you're putting it in. A little bit more filter there than just blurting it out. But you're evening that kind of playing field where you're not... You're the adult, so you're going to be more sophisticated. You're going to, you know, you, you're going to be able to nail them so to speak but that's not a comfortable give and take okay okay. listening is trying to know what the other person is saying even when he doesn't have the words to adequately express his feelings um, there's a, a leading psychologist that talks a lot about listening what is his word Oh, listening for the child's hidden agenda. A child says, he hears some reference to parents that, these are some examples I gave, parents that desert their children. And he says, what does it mean when parents desert their children? There may well be a hidden agenda here. He probably has some idea what deserting parents means and he wants to know for sure that that's not something that's going to happen to him. Um, Another one is the child that talks about somebody in kindergarten that draws really ugly pictures. I'm not talking about obscene pictures. I'm talking about not very pretty pictures. Is there a hidden agenda there? You might wonder if that child thinks his... Kindergarten pictures are ugly. And so, if that's the case, is it okay that he can't draw as well as somebody else? One of my grandchildren didn't like art, even though they had a fabulous elementary school teacher. Fortunately, by the time they got to high school and had Miss Rickleton over here, they had decided they loved it. But they didn't like it because they weren't really good at it, and they didn't like producing something that they were plenty savvy enough to know was not quite as good. So, if you talk about the ugly pictures, maybe what they're saying is, is it okay
1: if I have an ugly picture?
0: Um, Another one on this, I think I've got this on another slide, but I'll talk about it now. Listening is hearing what the other person says or what their feelings are, being careful that you don't impose your feelings on them. I know I've used one example of this, I don't think I've used this one, and if I'm repeating myself, I'm just old, just give me some grace, Um, but I remember picking well up, and I have no idea why I was picking him up, but I picked him up from school, and as the other children are coming out of school, they've got on pajamas, and he doesn't. It was pajama day, and he didn't wear pajamas. Oh, that poor child. All day long, he didn't have pajamas on and everybody else had pajamas. What kind of mother and grandmother does he have that doesn't remember when it's pajama day? And he didn't have pajamas. And I am just ready to apologize. And I'll admit, I probably even thought about going to get ice cream, which would not have been the <laughs> best response. We didn't do that. Because I got in the car and said, oh, well, was today pajama day? Yeah, it was. No. Angst, no concern. Oh, did you forget to wear pajamas? Yeah. How did it feel? It's okay. And I, now, there are children that would say it's okay that it really wasn't. He's a little bit spacey anyway, So, I, but it really was. It was okay with him. So I'm about to put all of my angst and anxiety and give that lovely package to him when he's fine about it. Okay, Okay. listening is ideally accomplished as a whole body activity with eye contact, animated attention, and uninterrupted time. And if you can find 10 minutes of that in your day, you're going to be lucky. I, I hear what I'm suggesting. This is really hard. But on the other hand, if this is a significant, important conversation... Let's try to find some time to do it and do it well. Most of us had our children ask about the facts of life in the grocery store line. Okay, That's not the time or place to do that, but it's very appropriate to say, whoa, those are some really important questions. Let's talk about that when we get home. Questions? Reactions? how we've we've talked about this one. Emotions are not good and bad. When we're upset, we're not usually very good listeners. When your child is upset, they're probably not a very good communication. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know there's a lot of talk about well, we've got to deal with it at the time. That is true for a two-year-old. That is not true even for a six-year-old. It's very not true for a 12-year-old. So... Having some kind of space to process emotion and move beyond the intensity of the emotion for you and your
1: child is valuable. Yes? So <coughs> yesterday, maybe it was the day before, he, my oldest and I had a fight because he, they have chores, which is fine. But they were cleaning, and... Um, He started getting really upset about the cleaning process, so I asked him to rest until he could calm down. And then he lost it for 30 minutes because I was keeping him from cleaning. And so I didn't understand, does that make, like I was trying to give him a space to like relax and it just made him more upset (laughs) that I hadn't stopped him from doing the thing.
0: Would it have been different if you had given him a choice, if you had said, if you need a little time to chill well, out for I think
1: this, I started that way, you know. I think you need to calm down. If you don't calm down, you probably need to take a rest. And then he started getting crazier, so I said, "Sit."
0: <laughs> All of that is perfectly appropriate. The <laughs> bottom line is he didn't want to do what he needed to do that day, and so that kind of emotion is going to be normal. Okay. You just don't want you didn't and you didn't feed it. You don't want to feed it yeah. um, because he's not going to make good choices yeah. at that. But the time to talk about is there a way to solve this problem <coughs> is not in the midst of that I'm angst. I tried
1: to say, is there something else that's bothering you? Because this seems really weird for you to be this upset about the fact that he's doing a different than you. I never got anything other than that I was mean for not letting him work.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Children are very much like the rest of us. So They're going to blame it. They, don't, they want to blame it on somebody. That's that's not a bad person, that's that's a childlike. And he didn't want to do it and he got mad and so he was just really gonna blame it on you. Yeah, I, I, I do think some time to deal with the emotion when you can buy it for them. And sometimes it just means being quiet for a little while, just giving it a little bit of space. Okay, this is related. Statements of understanding should proceed, come before, statements of advice or understanding. So, um, you've asked, your, your child is, the cousin is coming over to play, the cousin is younger, you want your child to share the toys, but you know he doesn't really want to do that but you are going to insist that he share the toy. That's not inappropriate. But it is reasonable and often very helpful to have the beginning of the conversation be, I get that you don't like sharing your toys with Jacob. Are you worried that Jacob is going to break some of your toys? You don't necessarily want to plan ideas, but if you're pretty sure that's what's going on, where you at least help the child. You acknowledge that the child has some feelings about this. And in an ideal world, maybe you could even help him figure out some ways to solve this. We're going to have to share. We can't let Jacob come. It's not not kind to have him come and he can't play with any choice are there one or two toys that are very special to you that you're worried about getting broken? Would you like to put them away? Do you, do you see how we're going to understand the feelings before we say, but this is what's got to happen. There's a certain kind of acknowledgement. It feels really good. Doesn't, when you're really, really tired and you've worked hard on something, doesn't it feel good for somebody to say, I bet you will not. That doesn't take away my fatigue. But there's... Something about somebody understanding, acknowledging it. So, and again, in intense emotion, you probably don't know anything about. You don't have to agree or approve, but just acknowledging is comforting. For a young child, sometimes you have to give them words. You really wish that mommy and daddy were not leaving you with the babysitter tonight. You really are going to miss mommy and daddy tonight. Is that what you're feeling? It's legitimate. I'm going to miss you too. But this is a good thing for us to do. And we're going to move on. But just acknowledging where the child is. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't think I'm going to go ahead to this next one, subtle time. But questions or comments? Well, we'll get out one minute early today. Okay. See you next
1: week. Remember, if you have anything that you want us to particularly touch, let me know.